Welcome to the Inclusive Education Project. I'm Vicki Brett. I'm Amanda Salohi. We're two civil rights lawyers on a mission to change the conversation about education, civil rights, and modern activism. Each week, we're going to explore new topics which are going to educate and empower others and give them a platform to enact change in education and level the playing field. Hi, everybody. It is for us very early in November. We are just getting off of the high of the elections um, with uh, a lot of diversity, a lot of change. Women are now being represented, not thoroughly as of yet, but there's a lot more women that have taken office, um, which we celebrate. I know that there's been a couple of, are you looking it up? Yeah, I actually found it. So there's a great infographic that's going around. And so I'll just like read some of these first because this is about first for women, which is huge. So we have the first Muslim woman in Congress, the first, and then there's another, so there was actually two of them. Uh, first Native American woman in Congress, two of those. First Latinx Congress woman from Texas. Mm-hmm. First black woman attorney general of New York. First black congresswoman from Connecticut. Uh, first lesbian mother in Congress. And then the youngest woman ever elected to Congress at 29 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the first black congresswoman from Massachusetts. So obviously not getting anywhere close to where it should be um, for diversity, but... We're making change. Yeah, and we do have a guest today. <laughs> we have Jinan Khalife. Khalif? Khalife. I I should know. I've known you <laughs> over 10 years. <laughs> no, you said it right the first time, Vicky. It's I knew Jinan it. Khalife. I knew it. You, you knew it. <laughs> you know, it's it's the pregnancy. It's making you second guess everything. I know. It totally is. Yeah. Um, so Jinan actually is, I, I met Jinan uh, my first year, actually like one of the first days of law school, and she is actually... A, I, I don't want to say divorce attorney because it, I mean you're in the realm of mediation. Yes. But why don't you why don't you let the people know so, what it is that you do? Hi everybody. I am a divorce mediation attorney, and what that means is that. Yes, I am licensed to practice law in the state of California, but 90% of the work I do is as a mediator, which means I'm a neutral between the couples that are seeking uh, an alternative means uh, to finalizing their divorce. And I feel very honored to be in this space because it's, it's not a new space but it's not well known, even though Mm -hmm. it's been around for a very long time. And with that said, I'm still shocked to see that people have no idea that they don't have to spend years in litigation. Thousands and and thousands of dollars. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Well, isn't that often a deterrent? Why a lot of couples stay together way longer than they probably should because they think, well, we can't afford or that's a lengthy thing. And It's a financial decision for them, yeah, especially with now with the rise in the economy, the expenses, running a household. You know, it was not too long ago where you could run a household on one income. Now you need at least two incomes, if not a mm-hmm. second or third job, mm-hmm. in order to sustain just to be above water, you know? And so, yes, a lot of my clients do, you know, they do voice their concern about the divorce and about the finances associated with the divorce. And 
We work at a fixed flat rate fee, so there is no guessing game as far as what our fee is, what it will cost. And we finalize the divorce in about 60 days oh, wow. for them. You know, the fi- the paperwork, mm-hmm. which includes the financial aspect and mm-hmm. it includes the support aspect. And more importantly, includes the custody issue, which is a big thing. Huge. And, you know, they always say it's easier to refer a friend, but just with what you, how you were describing um, alternative divorce solutions, which is where you work, where you're a partner. Oh, um, I forgot to mention yeah, that. Yeah, that's, I got you. I got you. Your partner there um, with Lonnie Barron, also yes. a your alum. But yeah, it's easier to refer a friend, but your model or business model and, and passion for this area is very similar to what we do. Most people don't know that special education law exists. We deal with flat rates for the law firm as opposed to the nonprofit. We do come across it a lot. Um, Mm -hmm. Parents that, you know, I think on average, the divorce rate for parents of children with special need is higher than the national average. Oh, yes, definitely so. And, you know, we always, we always give a list of referrals, but, you know, we at, you know, the top of that list is, and it's a very short list, is alternative divorce solution. Like, really, you know, like, I mean, I say it, not because it's just the name, but it's just another way. And then we give them, you know, traditional divorce attorneys, and we always tell them, you know, call at least two or three attorneys. Yes, um, exactly. And and we have had some clients, you know, contact, and I know you've referred um, some clients to to us, but there's so much crossover. There is a lot of crossover because most couples that are divorcing do have children, and then, you know, not a majority, but a large number of them have a child or children with special needs and that is something that is very daunting to them like they're afraid to even ask about it and when one of them opens up and says okay we do have a child with special needs that changes the conversation Mm -hmm. because we have to focus on now what what does it mean to have the special needs? Meaning, like, do they have a a food regimen they have to be on? Do they have a medication regimen they have to be on? What type of educational regimen or therapy that they have? And we have to make sure that regardless of the household the child's located in at that moment or that day, that child will have consistency throughout both households. Well, there's so much more that you have to consider Mm -hmm. when you have a child with special needs. And Mm -hmm. and a big part of, like, what we always talk about with the school is trying to build, rebuild that relationship because it does take a village for any kid, for any family, but especially these kids with special needs. Mm -hmm. It takes a lot more and a lot more coordination. And so if the parents are at odds with each other and are are constantly fighting, it makes it really difficult for any child, but it makes it more difficult for the child with special needs so if we can mm-hmm. refer them to you and, and do this alternative to be able to try to rebuild that relationship I, I think that's always yeah. a good thing and you know what that's one of the reasons why I went into divorce mediation so the nice thing about alternative divorce solutions is we are a non-litigation firm so I haven't actually stepped foot in a courthouse in probably three years it doesn't mean that I'm not up to par with what what's happening in the law, but I think that also allows my clients to have a sense of relief with regards to I'm not going to try to blow this out of proportions and then lead them down the path of litigation, which a lot of divorce attorneys do. Now, with that said, being a mediator and being a neutral basically allows me to have the couple work hand in hand in creating a game plan for their children. Because imagine... If you're litigating at least a year Mm -hmm. on something related with the children, you know, 
who's going to be losing in that? Right. Your child's going to be losing, especially if they have special needs because they need more attention, they need mm-hmm. more care, they need mm-hmm. more particularity mm-hmm. in their everyday lifestyle, and you're not able to give that to them because you're spending all of your financial and emotional and physical resources on a battle that, in the end of the day, you know, you're not really going to win. And yeah, one of the last things that you need that other person for is to divorce. Exactly. <laughs> you know, you need that other person. You need to get through it together. And, exactly. And yes, you'll have your children to raise, but, you know, I, I know a lot of parents that have been able to um, successfully co-parent, but exactly. it starts with a game plan, right? Yes, it does start with a game plan. And so part of our process is we do have a proprietary system where we've created a checklist of all the things necessary and part particularly necessary with what the kids need. And because we're in mediation, because we're settling out of court, we could customize this based on to, based on the couple's needs and their children's needs. So it's not a cookie cutter situation. Mm-hmm. Each family has a little bit of customization based on what their needs are. For example, we had a couple where the father was a pilot and he wanted to spend enough time with his children, but he only got his schedule one month like at the beginning of the month for the upcoming month okay so we were able to customize that schedule where you know once he received it within three days they were they would set the visitation schedule around his flight schedule which allowed him to have a continuous relationship with Mm -hmm. his children and it actually eased the anxiety and the commotion that the children were facing because of the separation Right, because if they went to court and a judge was like okay it's two weeks on two weeks off and he's flying, you know, those two weeks that he gets. And it's just like, you know, exactly. maybe mom is going to be able to, like, take it up. But then it's like, maybe that won't get made up. Or, like, this way it's more, yeah. uh, it, it's fluid. Exactly. It's fluid. Or how often could it be misinterpreted that the dad's schedule is too chaotic that maybe a court wouldn't award the dad as much visitation? Because they would be say, the that's that's absolutely, you know, I could see uh, an attorney you know, that represents the other parent, say, Mm -hmm. well, this isn't going to work. It's going to be, you know, too much for the kids, so therefore you shouldn't get it, which is, I'm sure happens a lot where one parent is favored. And unfortunately, we do have a system where mothers are oftentimes favored and we have dads who... I mean, the system is definitely broken because at the end of the day, we're not looking at what is in the best, not me personally, but the system in a whole is not looking at what's in the best interest of the children or mm-hmm. the couple themselves. They're looking at what's in the best interest of the attorneys, really how can you realign this law or uh, misrepresent or uh, interpret is a better yeah. word, mm-hmm. the law, in order to bring it up to your client's favors. But more importantly, I know that we had a couple where they had a child with special needs. And so part of the things was the mother was more aware of the child's special needs and the father was aware but he wasn't as cognizant of what it entailed and it entailed part of the their the doctor's regiment that they had was that they had to have everything above a certain area meaning like higher shelves mm-hmm. nothing breakable on oh, lower wow. shelves yeah. and and because there were some behavioral issues as well. And so part of the agreement that we created was they both agreed that they would have their households set up in a certain manner Mm -hmm. for the child. And then we also agreed that 
they would both be present uh, at the IE me- IEP meetings mm-hmm. or doctor appointments or therapy appointments. So that allowed them to kind of have a consistency between households for the child. And I think that's so important because, I mean, we see a lot of times that one parent does consistently go to IEPs, does consistently be, is the one that communicates with the schools. And sometimes, you know, when the couple is together and then, you know, the one that goes to the IEP comes home and then tells the other um, the other parent, what's going on. But at the end of the day, more of the details are with one parent. And if the, the couple does split up, it makes it more difficult for the other parent to have all these details. And I could see that being something that the the attorneys could use against the other parent. Well, you know, they've been the one that goes all the IEPs and maybe it was a convenience thing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, mm-hmm. we often recommend that both parents are involved as much as as possible because then they're they're both aware of all these unique details because I mean there's so many details that come into play and it's important um, not just if there is a separation or a divorce but also just in general I mean you never know what's going to happen to one parent you need to make sure that all the kids needs are aware by everybody and we always tell our clients you know you might not be married anymore but you're still a family especially when there are children involved and more importantly you need to put their needs first it's not about being vindictive. It's not about teaching the other one a lesson. It's not about winning. It's about seeing what, how can you mitigate the damage that this process naturally causes Mm -hmm. and how can you spin it into a positive realm where you're both healing, your child's healing, so on and so forth. But I have a question for you. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You had mentioned that you had a client Mm -hmm. who they came to you and there was a special clause in their divorce decree. Oh yeah. And I wanted to kind of touch base on that with you because that was really interesting and it was eye opening for me because now that I have that eye opening experience, I could help serve my clients in a you know, detailed manner. Yeah, yeah. He had um, come in, and so I I had done family law for the first couple years of my law career in tandem with uh, special education at the firm that I was at before. And so when he had come in, I was very familiar with the 50-50 custody, and so then this gentleman... Had, um, he'd been divorced longer than they were even married. I think the kid was 17, big, big kid. Um, he was like 6'2", easily like close to 300 pounds, um, but the mentality of, of maybe a 5-year-old. Mm-hmm. So what had ended up happening was he was coming to us for um, an issue that uh, the child had had, a behavioral issue, an incident where he had struck his male special education teacher. But the male special education teacher knew it, it wasn't purposeful or anything like that, and so they wanted to, I think, move or, or switch his his uh, non private mm-hmm. uh, his non public school, and so Dad was saying that they had had a clause put into the by their attorneys because um, they had to litigate some aspects like spousal support, but they had come to terms with like what custody was going to be, and it was something along the lines of we will have fifty fifty mm-hmm. legal custody. And dad was like, look, I want to sign yes to this IEP and I have 50-50 custody, but she can say no because she didn't want him to switch for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. And he was like, but we have a clause where it's indicating and legal custody, educational rights, decisions fall within that. And so he had was coming to me and he was like, you know, I was giving him all these different options. And then he finally opened up about that and had said, well... There is a clause that says that if, you know, we can't agree that then the professional in that situation, so for instance, he said the doctor, 
it would whatever their recommendation was, we had to do it. Yes. And so he was like, I think, and it was kind of vague. So in my mind, the district here is the professional. And I was like, yes. But I was talking to you about that because mm-hmm. I think that's a bit dangerous. It is because the district, <laughs> as we know, unfortunately, yeah. doesn't always do what's best for right. the child. Well, maybe, and this is just throwing this out there, we always talk about the fact that technically the child is our client. Would we technically could be deemed as the professional? I mean, it's hard because if one parent comes to us and not both of them, mm-hmm. then that's hard because, you yeah. know, they're they're kind of on our, our purview. But, you know, I think you you in creating clauses like that, I think it's it might be helpful because, as we've talked about with the law, only one parent has to consent, but the minute one parent says no, the school district doesn't have to act. And so yeah. there is the potential for a lot of danger there that the school district doesn't make changes that are appropriate because the parents can't agree and maybe one parent is more involved and, uh-huh. and does know and so that makes so maybe me more specific in those clauses. So I think what we yeah, that's what I think I what we had determined about. was to be more specific. Mm-hmm. Like define who is a professional. Mm-hmm. Define, mm-hmm. you know, what type of field the professional right. is is Right, because the district in. could designate just this teacher that's only been with the kid for thirty seconds as the professional. And, as a professional. and yeah. so that's what we were talking about in like terms of like how could we make it a, a bit better because yes. this was just a weird situation where it was just like he thought that he could use this as the end all be all yes because the district the victory and the card. IEP team yeah mm-hmm. um were all saying you know mom was the only one that was saying no but he was afraid you know then that would open up a big wound or or whatever yeah um and so we were thinking yeah I mean it'd be different if they had a special education attorney for the child for years and years and yes. years and then maybe you know at that point we could give you know our expert you know because opinion opinion but yes. I mean this was the first time he'd even come into a special education attorneys but it, yeah I was yeah. talking to you about it because I was like have you ever seen like a clause like that no I had yeah. not seen that but it and it was very interesting to me but it made total sense and it made sense because his example and the example they put in it was a doctor Do yes. you know what I'm saying so yes. it was like oh okay but then you're not thinking about all these other people that the yeah. child may have exposure to exactly exactly and with special needs children mm-hmm. there are all these other people that the child has exposure to. You know, it's not an everyday doctor visit or everyday treatment that they subscribe to, you know? Mm-hmm. It, that was definitely eye-opening, but just anything else about what I I'm, do? Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, I was <laughs> we have plenty of questions. No, I think um, one of the things, you know, when you have somebody calling you, is it typically one person mm-hmm. over the other, and then you meet with them? Like, what, what's kind of like How the process? How the process works. Yeah. Okay, so uh, I think I mentioned this earlier as mediators were neutral. And so in, we take our neutrality very seriously. So, yes, there's always one person that's initiating the call. Right, right. But it's typically our secretary handling those calls. And we don't give information beyond, like, what is mediation right. until the consultation. And at the consultation, mm-hmm. we require both spouses to be present mm-hmm. because we never, ever want to hinder our neutrality or their their image of our neutrality because when there's divorce, unfortunately, they don't trust each other to begin right. with, you know? Right. And yeah. so we don't want them to not trust us, which mm-hmm. will affect, you know, the whole mediation process. Yeah. So, yeah, we do require both of them to come into our free one-hour consultation. Uh, we give them a kind of a rundown of what the law is and what mediation is, and then we open up the platform to learn more about them and what their situation is, and that allows us to assess 
how much mediation time they need and, you know, what the cost would be because we do work at a fixed flat rate fee. Mm -hmm. And then we go from there, basically. And then you're able to reach an agreement and then you guys take that paperwork and because, I mean, something has to eventually get filed with the court, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, that is one big misconception where people are like, okay, we're mediating so we don't have to do anything with the court. <laughs> right, and I'm right. like, no, 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 no. Yeah. In order for it to be a legal divorce, mm-hmm. we actually have to file the petition. So the divorce process in the state is not a one-step process. Mm-hmm. So you have to file a petition, at least, in the court, and then it has to be served on the other person. And we do that all in-house so we handle all the paperwork then when we're done with the mediation process what we do is we draft a stipulated judgment that includes all the legal language necessary plus all the terms that they've customized for their division of assets debt their child care all this kind of stuff that is necessary once they've approved that document we have them notarize it at our firm and then we submit that to the court and in Orange County, it takes about eight to ten weeks for the court to process. Oh, wow. And so they never have to step foot no. into the, like, they're just going to your office. Yes. They never have to step foot in court. See, that's, I think, for a lot of people. I mean, just in terms of, like, babysitting and, and daycare, yeah. you know, and, like, and just the fear of, like, being in front of it, like, that just alleviates oh, yeah. so much stress. And then they're able to have real conversations with each other. Right. and. Um, We get very raw and real with our clients because the last thing we want them to, to do is to believe that the idea they have of the law or how the outcome should be mm-hmm. is true. And so we kind of have to kind of set this record straight for them and then just guide them through the process. And it's funny because recently one of my clients told me, you know, this is the most communication we've had in years. And like, had we learned how to communicate earlier, we would have probably not be down this path. Wow. You know, and that was really interesting. (laughs) You're like, I'm not a counselor. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 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 So like, you know, we've had many success stories with Mm -hmm. our clients and we're, we're proud of those. But I think One of the ones that stood out was a couple that came to the firm even way before I came to the firm, and they literally hated each other. They were very contentious. And then a year ago, they came back because they wanted a post-order modification that they both had agreed to, and they were like best buddies. Wow. Yeah. So they'd gone through the process, Mm -hmm. and then you're seeing them a year later, and they were just like, oh, we just realized we need to make a change. They do family vacations together. What? Yeah. Yeah, they they have like... It took getting divorced for them to get along. It was the marriage that was the problem. Wow. Yeah, like they they, um, have holiday parties together, and you know what? It's it's better for the children that way. Oh, 100%. Yeah. I mean, the worst, I mean, I can say I, I came from a family divorce when I was very young. And I'd say that's the one of the most difficult things that I've had to deal with in my lifetime is having to deal with two sides of the family on holidays on, I mean, I think my, both sides of my family is how are you going to appease? Right. Know? And it's always that push and pull, you know, and unfortunately I do have one side of the family that gives the guilt trip more than the other, but it's one of those situations where even on holidays, it's like having to figure that out. I think both sides of my families have probably been in the same room twice since the divorce and it's been both my graduation. I mean, what if you get married? What's going to happen mm. then? I don't know, Jinan. I don't know. I mean, that's a serious but, question that people have. And I, so my parents got divorced when I was in fifth grade. Oh, wow. So it's been a long time. Yes, but and you're still, still old enough to be, I mean, no matter how oh, yeah. young a child is, right. they're aware of what's going mm-hmm. on. Yeah. Children are emotional. 
emotionally aware of mm-hmm. everything. They're more aware of adults because they're 100%. more open and more pure and just they don't have all the filters that life gives yeah. you as an adult. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I've actually heard, you know, of people and have known of people where like I'm not going to the wedding of your dad or your mm-hmm. mom's going to the yeah. wedding. Mm-hmm. And it's like yeah. this is I am your child. Like, this is your child. Right. Put your personal beliefs to the side. Mm -hmm. They have nothing to do with this. This is an adult conversation, you know? like The the kids shouldn't know anything. And Mm -hmm. I could say that I know way more than I should. And that's unfortunate. Yeah. And and it's crazy because then you see oftentimes that then, you know, parents go and get remarried, which in my case, both my parents have been remarried. And you'd think that once they move on and they're happy in their new marriages, it's, everything should, should be fine. They can't let go and, of the resentment. And yeah, it's you know hard. What? Litigation brings about a lot of that resentment, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you have these piling attorney fees, you know, Mm -hmm. these... A long, drawn-out process in many cases, and where the contentiousness continues on for a long time, and I can tell you for being a kid in that situation, it it did take its toll. It it does take its toll, and it's unfortunate you had to experience that, and it's unfortunate that a lot of children have to do to go through this. I mean, in California alone, I think the the rate is 70% for divorce. Makes sense. It's it's quite unfortunate, and I had one couple. They didn't have children, but they were like, we realized our attorneys were not communicating what we wanted to communicate. So they had come to you after they had already like yeah. been in litigation for yeah. a while. I was gonna that was yeah. gonna be one of my questions. I have a couple. Too. Okay. Wow. They they um, have been in litigation for three years, and the only thing settled after three hundred thousand dollars spent what? was oh the custody gosh. issue. That's it? That's it. And I know the courts really try to get that done. You know, different courts. You know, when I was out in San Bernardino, like, they try to get you to go to mediation to at least try to figure out custody, you know, and and so they do push for that. But could you imagine taking three years to litigate custody? Yeah. Wow. Litigate custody, and they still have the house, the retirement accounts, the bank account. They still right. have we haven't every- touched anything. Like no. we've not done anything. That's no. insane. And so they finally were like, "We can't do this anymore. Right. We're bleeding ourselves right. Right. and our children yeah. uh, from the funds, and right. we're, we're tired of it." And I was like, "It's unfortunate you had to get tired to mm-hmm. get." To- and they're like, "We wish we knew about this." Sooner. So they would be communicating to their attorneys and saying, "Like I concede on this, or I need this, or and, attorneys, and then the attorneys yeah. wouldn't. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's unfortunate. Yeah. That's really sad. It is very sad. So it hurts to see those kind of stories and hear those stories, but it is very humbling mm-hmm. to know that I'm able to assist couples and pull them out of the mess, you know, like help them. Lonnie and I do, I believe, like she does a great job in communicating with our clients and we do whatever it takes basically mm-hmm to make sure that our clients settle in the mediation process, and that's why we have a 97% success rate. Oh, wow, that's mm-hmm. incredible. And I, I know um, from personal experience representing families where you're going in to make one change, you know, and it's not even a hearing. It's just like, you know, you're just checking in, and the judge completely changed, like, the custody order. Like, yeah. we walked in, Mom had, like, an issue with, I, I forget what it was, maybe it was Christmas coming up or something, and, and we walked out because the judge was like, don't you want to help with homework, Dad? Like, blah, blah, blah. And, like, he went from having, like, 40% time to having close to 50-50. Like, all of a sudden, and yeah. for nothing. 
nothing. It's not like mom did anything. It's not like we, the judge just like looked at it and was like, you should be helping with homework and da da. And it's like, you're at the gamble. It's a crapshoot so, yeah, with anything, it is right? And it wasn't shoot. trial. It was just like a here. Like it was so yeah. crazy. And so to and hear you're like, like a probably 97. Nine boggled. Right. You know, I was just like, like what? Is this like, you know? And it's just yeah. like, oh my gosh. But to hear, you know, a success rate that high, you know, that um, it's very similar to, to our firms, you know, in, in trying to figure out, you know, what is the next move for this child regarding mm-hmm. their special needs and the And I commend you services. guys on this, on oh, the work that you. you guys do. I mean, it's, it really takes somebody with a big heart to do what you do and a lot of passion for the field that you're in and not, there aren't enough people dedicated, mm-hmm. you know, to mm-hmm. helping these children. Right back at you because <laughs> divorce is not, no, because you are helping children. I mean, and it's not just children, you're helping families. You're helping right. put back together the families yeah. that you had said yeah. are really torn apart from this just process. And it's just like yes. in the culture, in the media, right, of what yes. divorce should be, especially yes. here in, I'm sure in South County. And, and you guys are in Newport, right? Yes, we're definitely, we're in Newport. So, we there's this fictional image of what divorce should be. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. the, the minute it's on the radar, mm-hmm. big-time attorneys, you know... High- or even any area of law. I mean, the, I, the concept of getting an attorney for anything. I mean, what's the saying? Uh, 90% of us give the other 10% a bad name or something Uh-oh. like that. <laughs> yeah. You know, that anyone That's thinks, true. you know, it, it's mm-hmm. so hard. And um, I think we're seeing more um, people in our generation trying to, you know, create firms um, and businesses that are thinking outside the box. Like, yeah. I think that's where both of our organizations come in so unique that we're trying yes. to do things a little bit differently because yes. it needs to be done differently. Like, the law is so rigid, but it doesn't have to be. Yes. It's just so rigid because that's the way it's been done, but it doesn't mean that it has to stay that way. And I think yeah. that's what really changes the way, of, like, it's that treating it like a business and treating our our clients as customers that making the best for them and yes. not just thinking about the money aspect yeah. of it which unfortunately or or like you said before trying to change case law which yeah. we get that in our area of law as well we get attorneys that are just looking to, to change case law and that's great and that's fine but doesn't help the majority of of individuals no. really going through it exactly yeah. i'm so excited that you were on our podcast i'm, and I'm really excited, excited that, I was that here you too. You know, um, and Lonnie actually yeah. are delving into the podcast, podcast world. world. <laughs> yeah, we started a podcast. It's called Divorce Demystified, and it's basically dedicated to dispelling all the non-truths about divorce and giving kind of a, a view of what the reality is Changing and what your picture. options mm-hmm. are. You know, and Lonnie and I at Alternative Divorce Solutions, we run a client f- forward um, yeah. firm the way you guys do. Right. So. We try to make it as homey as possible mm-hmm. for everyone around. So if you guys do have questions about the divorce process, please check out Divorce Demystified. It's on Stitcher, iTunes, and Google Play. And um, if you have any questions, you could visit us at our website, www.altdivorcesolutions.com. Thank you. Yay. Thanks for being on the podcast. We'd love to, um, we'll have to get Lonnie on. Yes. Yeah. Hopefully before she has her baby. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. We'll get her calendars out now. Yeah. Well, we, um, we hope you guys enjoyed Jinan and her take on the different ways that you can approach divorce. I know for um, a lot of our listeners, they've gone through it or maybe they're contemplating it, yeah. um, you know, and uh, Junan is a great resource and, and so is Lonnie. Um, if you guys have Thank any you. questions. 
questions. They're very similar to us in that. Yeah. If, 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 you know, if you say you heard them on the Inclusive Education Project podcast, I'm sure um, they will take the time because you guys always do anytime we, we always send do. someone. Yes. All right. Enjoy your guys' week. Bye. Bye. Bye.